Hello everybody, welcome back to A Few Minutes of History. I'm your host Jake. For those of you that are new, welcome. For those of you that are old hands, welcome back. In November 1917, Passchendaele Ridge was finally captured, ending what was the third Battle of Ypres. And in today's episode, we shall be talking about what made this particular battle so bloody and infamous. By 1917, British positions in Belgium were based around the city of Ypres, where they had been pretty much since the beginning of the First World War. Strategically important, it was fought over ferociously during the First Battle of Ypres in 1914 and again in 1915 during the Second Battle of Ypres. Passchendaele would be the third and largest major battle in the area in just three years. Ypres was an incredibly dangerous area for British soldiers on the Western Front. They were surrounded by the Germans on three sides and overlooked by high ground, and the British positions below were very vulnerable to German artillery fire. The British had actually wanted to attack in the Flanders areas in 1916, but had conceded to French desires to launch a joint assault on the Somme to disastrous consequences for the men involved, with huge numbers of casualties taken by all forces who took part there. But in 1917, with the war once again caught in a bitter stalemate, General Sir Douglas Haig planned to launch a major attack in the Ypres salient and forced a breakthrough that he believed would once again win the war. Russia's exit from the war due to its own political strife brought on this haste, as now millions more German troops could be made available on the Western Front. Working with their French allies once again, the British plan was fairly simple. They were to capture the high ground surrounding Ypres, including Passchendaele Ridge. This attack would culminate in the conquest of the Belgian coast and would help alleviate the growing threat of German submarines operating from Belgian ports. It was an ambitious and risky plan, but like so many times in the First World War, the planners did not learn their lessons from previous engagements, such as the Somme in the previous year, or take into account the army's strained resources after the Arras campaign earlier in 1917. The battle would be preceded by the customary artillery barrage that lasted 10 days. This aimed to hammer the German positions and hopefully destroy them. Naturally, however, as so often in the First World War, it failed to do so, and the German positions were pretty much the same as before the barrage. The infantry attacks began on the 31st of July, and the French 1st Army and the British 2nd Army actually made good progress, and they did gain some ground. But the main British force, the 5th Army, made little headway. The artillery barrage had actually caused a problem. It destroyed the ground at Ypres so much that when it began to rain, the ground swelled and it was unable to drain away the rainwater, transforming the ground into what effectively became a horrendous marshy swampland filled with bomb craters, barbed wire and littered with dead and dying men. These horrendous conditions caused rifles to clog up, tanks and other motorised vehicles to become stuck and unable to move. The terrain became so terrible that deviating off the main track often meant that men and horses would become stuck and many thousands drowned in the mud, their bodies lost forever. In fact, so many men died this way that they are still being found. The fighting, however, continued and the weeks and months went by. Little progress was being made. Wave after wave of Allied attacks hit the German lines where they were repulsed. The Germans would then counterattack. Bloodshed wasn't spared to either side. Thousands of men died using tactics which up until at this point of the war had failed badly. The offensive, as so many did, came to a stalemate. Other tactics had to be devised. The Canadians launched diversionary attacks at the cities of Lens in an attempt to draw German forces away. They succeeded and inflicted massive casualties on the Germans. Anzac forces were then sent in to bolster the British forces in the Ypres salient. The tide was turning. By late September, a man called General Plumer had taken over and he changed strategy. Instead of aiming to punch through the German lines in one big attack, he aimed to launch smaller, localised attacks in the hope that this would change the outcome. These attacks were also by bringing in fresh Canadian troops to the front, 
again to bolster the British and the Anzacs, who by now had been battered and were running low on resources and men. Eventually, after months of hammering away at the German forces in the Ypres area, the British and Commonwealth troops finally broke through. They captured the high ground in the village of Passchendaele, ending the offensive and bringing to a close an incredibly bloody and brutal operation that cost the British and Commonwealth forces around 300,000 casualties for just six miles of territory gained. That worked out around 50,000 men for every mile gained. On the other side, the Germans suffered their own losses, around 260,000 casualties defending the six miles. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode on Passchendaele. I've actually been to the to the Eep and the Eep salient area when I was a, a kid when I was in school and it's a fantastic place. I can't recommend it enough if you are looking for somewhere to go because it is it's 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 really haunting there's a lot of old trenches that are still there and you know Eep itself is a very beautiful town or city. It's very very lovely the people are very friendly but you can you can see the carnage that was brought to Eep and, and the surrounding area when you actually go, you know, the, the terrain is still pretty much the same as it was during the war, which is crazy considering it ended over a hundred years ago, but the legacy of that war is still very much in that area. Um, but I, I, like I said, I would recommend anyone going there. It is really, really cool. There's also a lot of famous poetry and writings from this time period as well, which reflect just how brutal the, the battle actually was, which, which are fantastic and still hold true to this day. I, I do some volunteer work at the the Green Howards Museum, and they've got a lot of um, artwork from from this time period, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. So if you ever you know go into your local museums, look out for trench art because it it's superb, and it really shows that what the what the soldiers were were viewing with their own eyes and, and could jot down. <clears throat> pardon me, could jot down and and draw. It is it is a, a truly brutal war that shall never be forgotten, and rightly so. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. Thank you all for subscribing, whatever platform you do listen on. Um, it's been very successful recently, so thank you all. Hopefully this episode does as well. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheerio, bye.